What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of the NC Raw podcast. We had some technical issues this evening that limited our live stream. So hopefully everybody that wanted to catch the conversation can head over to your favorite podcasting streaming app and check out the conversation. Before I introduce today's guest, I do want to uh, remind you guys that tomorrow night, or technically probably tonight, May 7th, uh, Res Hope is having a Bowl for Hope event over at Ultra Star Bowling Alley that's located at the Cherokee Casino uh, from 6.30 until 8.30 p.m. It's $5 a mission, uh, basically 5 bucks per uh, bowling game, and that includes shoe rental, and you also get a $5 arcade card. Um, they're going to be raffling, they're doing a raffle and giving away some pretty cool prizes as well as having some speakers lined up. It's just a, an evening to celebrate recovery. Um, all proceeds from this event are going to go to the Cherokee children's home and res hope, uh, myself, Caleb, the whole crew is going to be there. So we would love to have you guys come out, support a wonderful cause, and also have some fun in recovery and do some bowling. Um, please come out and enjoy that. So tonight's show, it was a ton of fun. I had a blast talking to Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay P., she's from Asheville, North Carolina. Um, super insightful woman. Uh, she showed up. She's like eight and a half months pregnant or almost nine months pregnant, getting ready to give birth to her third child. And she endured a, 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 like a two-hour conversation with me talking about her kind of approach and pathway to recovery, what she's learned over the years, and how she challenges herself to continue to grow. Uh, really just an, a solid conversation. I, I had a blast. Her, her two sons were here, um, kind of like checking it out. So it was just an, an overall good time. I totally enjoyed it. So I hope you guys do as well. Give some love to Lindsay P. The opinions expressed in this podcast are the views of the NCR team and the individuals interviewed. We do not consider ourselves to be mental health professionals. Our mission is to explore the various pathways to recovery and to give a voice to those affected by or involved in the care of substance use disorders. Some content may be mature for younger audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Shall we do this podcast? Do it. All right. Ready, set, go. Go. What a start to this thing. 
I appreciate your patience. Um, Absolutely. Technical issues. I have no idea what's happening. I do not okay. know. It is so funny because, so I talk about this shit all the time, but my favorite podcast, Joe Rogan, everybody loves it, right? He live streams his podcast every single day on YouTube. And, um, you know, like I'm, I'm subscribed and I clicked on the little notification button. So like every day I get a notification, Joe Rogan is live and I'll pop it. I'll immediately pop it open just to see who the guest is. Right. Right. Um, for like the last two weeks, he hasn't been doing any, they haven't been live. He's having technical problems and I've had to wait and I'm just like, I'm just addicted to like (laughs) talk radio. I've always have been for my whole entire life. That's why I do this. Okay. And um, addicted to the point where my favorite talk radio host from back home in Tampa, Florida, his face is tattooed on my leg. Get out of here. I'm not shitting you. I'll show you when we're done. <laughs> that is commitment. Commitment. It's like cult-like kind of like wow. deal thing. Yeah. So he hasn't been live. And so I've had to wait until like nine o'clock every single night because wow. they're in Los Angeles. So I have to wait for them to oh, upload, time, the, yeah, upload the video after the show's over. And I was just talking about this today. I was like telling, I don't remember who, I think my sister, like I'm, I've been like, it's like one of those little things that just like, nags you a little bit i'm just like you know like i get so comfortable and Mm -hmm. i expect as a fan i expect this to like be a part of my routine and then boom it's gone and i'm disappointed and what the hell and then here we are it happens to me (laughs) and you've got four fans out there right now refreshing like a motherfucker my mom just my mom what the hell's going on (laughs) my mom just texted me right before we clicked over and she was like where is the podcast what's going on over there (laughs) so anybody that wants to see it live i do apologize it's not on facebook tonight um However, we have a wonderful guest, and I told Ooh. I told you when you walked in the door, Lindsay, <laughs> that you come highly recommended. <laughs> okay, awesome. so like um, I've talked to some amazing people over the last like fifteen months. Um, wonderful stories, mm-hmm. wonderful viewpoints, uh, just really skilled individuals, and like a nice a large handful of them have been like, you got to get Lindsay on. Wow, you got to get Lindsay on, wow. right? So we ended up like connecting and making it happen. And I knew it was, I'm going to tell you how I knew it was going to be a solid show. Okay. Before we even get started. How? When I, you sent me your bio picture. Yeah. And you're wearing an ATLian yes! shirt. I'm like, this is going to be fire. Yes. Right? This is yes! going to be fire. So, uh, <laughs> so let me just tell you, I have um, three best friends and we have a, we have a group uh, message that we do. Um, called the bitches of integrity and no bitches of grace. I'm sorry. Bitches of grace. And, um, you know, we, we're constantly putting stuff in there throughout the day. And so on my end, I constitute an emergency. I need you to respond ASAP right now. I'm doing this bio for you already late on it. And I'm like, picture choice. What do I do? And they didn't, they didn't put any input into it. So as soon as I sent it, they were like, Oh my God, did you really like, don't do that. So ratchet. And uh, I'm like, dude, this is why I still cannot continue to make choices for myself, like on a consistent basis. I need people constantly telling me how to how to do this thing. Life, I don't, I can't even. But I that, don't know. That's the story in your head. I went with fun. I went with clean. I went with recent. I'm super pregnant. Um, I had a super awesome experience at the Big Boy Show recently at the Salvage Station. Clean. Uh, so I got to tell this story real quick. So. Coming into recovery, like I, I started my using career in Atlanta. Um, parents still live there, and 
some girlfriends of mine went and saw Outcast, and they went and got high with them after the show. Okay. And so I was super resentful for I'm talking about from the time I was like 15 to like last year, because I missed out. Like what the hell? I'm not, like that was the one experience I wanted for the rest of my life. So coming into recovery, you know, I, I was doing things like going to concerts and things of that nature. But I'm telling you, last year, and it was so neat because it was sprung up on me that day. One of my best friends, Camille, was like, yo, we're going to the big boy show. And I didn't even have time to put an expectation on it. And I was clean and I remembered it. And it was better than anything. I had held that resentment for all those years and I got to lead, like, that was legit the best night I've had clean. And it was all behind a fucking concert. But it was amazing. So we got to all do it again and uh, see a whole crew from Atlanta. And um, we were all clean. And I was front row, like, eight and a half months pregnant. What? Oh, that's commitment. But it was it was a great time. It was, it was great. Well, I think that is wonderful that... Um, <laughs> That you have like the that sense of humor, right? To yeah. like obviously recognize that. That's that's one of the most important qualities in like my process of recovery is to like remain true to myself, remain true to the person that just likes to fuck around and talk shit. I have to have a good time. Like if you knew how long I carried that shame blanket and judgment of myself because I was always to this growing up, I was told I was to that. And I, I got to catch myself with my youngest kid doing it. Stop. You're being too wild. You're being too this. Like putting my own self in a box. You know, if I can't laugh at myself, that self-forgiveness piece would have probably not come for me with recovery because I carried a lot of shame up in here, a lot of guilt. And taking myself too seriously these days is, oh, man, it's just it's not for me at all. I have to have fun. I have to. And I feel the youngest I've ever felt like. That's the greatest. It is. Do you ever, do you ever feel like that? Like, it's two separate lives. What do you mean? Like, using and clean. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, there's times when I can get caught up looking back at it, and it, it, it's a blur, so to speak. But then there's parts of the storyline that that slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, that have a, a significant effect. I can think about. You know. When it was fun. And that was, you know, kind of even romanticizing that a little bit. And it seems like so long ago. And then that blur happens where it's like, oh, my God, somehow I got kids in the mix. Somehow I got married somewhere in there. Somehow I went from having fun to, like, the drugs controlling me. Can you recognize that moment, though, in the story? I think the moment where the kids weren't enough, the husband wasn't enough. The consequences, the outside consequences still weren't enough. And yet I had all the proof just staring me blank in the face of reasons to stop and not being able to. Um, the drugs fucking won, man. That was well, though. That, and I know that now. And it, it, it just, I think being on this side and, and having a clear internalization of that it's like, what were you thinking? And then I've, I've heard this so many times. It's like, some shit just doesn't make sense unless you're high. <laughs> it comes with a whole nother mindset, yeah. you know? And I'm, that's the part that I love to differentiate. I'm so glad I'm not stuck with that mind. Hostile, resentile. Oh, man, I had an excuse for everything. And, you know, there's parts of me, obviously, today that I, I still can carry that torch. And, you know, that flame flickers. 
but it's nowhere near the delusion that I was just, I was so delusional and so far away from reality. I don't miss that at all, at all. And that's where I think it's too, yeah. I almost feel like I got to live two lives. Reincarnation. Yeah, you know? My sponsor calls it the dead world. The dead world out there. That was my active addiction life. And um, I get it now because so many parts of me were dead. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at is that like I – I recognize those moments that need to be acknowledged, right? The moments that where I need to do the work, mm-hmm. right? The, those things that I need to take responsibility for, the uh, things that I need to make amends with and mm-hmm. offer forgiveness and ask for forgiveness and all that stuff. But the rest of it, all the other stuff that you described is like, it's not me. Right. right, it's not in my. It is right. in my story, but it's not in my story. It's not in my life. Like, and it's. I really like have to seriously, deeply contemplate to like even get there because it's right. just like so different from the way that I view the world today. It's right. so different from the way that I see things mm-hmm. so clearly and can accept things for what they are right. today. And like, I don't. It, it's hard to identify like the switch or the change you can't in your life do you think not not really no no. like it's hard to hard to do it's just like you just know it happened things happen yeah like things have happened and then when life smacks me in the face today and i handle it accept it tolerate it love it whatever when life smacks me in the face Mm -hmm. today and i overcome it Mm -hmm. is when i see it the most yeah there's when i feel it the most definitely mention your kids yeah. Got a few of them with you today, huh? <laughs> there better only fucking be two with me. <laughs> well, I'm growing one, but you yeah. Said, you said something about contractions earlier. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I was di- I'm, I'm like dilated. We could go into birth right now. Let me let me just tell you how active and alive my my disease is. The first ever live birth on Instagram. Full of self-centeredness. So I'm in a meeting last night and I'm legit just kind of drifting. I mean, I'm 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 paying attention to to what's being shared, but I go into that moment of like full self-obsession and I say, I could, I live, this is what literally went through my head. If my water broke right now, I would still raise my hand and say, Hey, I'm Lindsay. And I would, I would share. And then I would like drop the mic by saying my water just broke. I'm about to go have this baby real quick. And like, like that's how self-centered I am. And then it carried on to today. So I'm at work and I'm like, guys, I'm doing this podcast. And I was like, bro what if my water broke while we're on the show and like that would be so cool like i am still (laughs) so self-obsessed with myself um oh my gosh that almighty eye i say it all the time but oh i wish she'd die down sometimes but you know i embrace it you got these nice young men to check you to check you on that too i do i've got some some awesome kids i am a single mama too stellar boys um 13 and 11 and they are the best and worst parts of me made over and i can own that today um i just saw a a thing earlier talking about when you're trying to parent the you out of your kids Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that is the part that we go toe to toe with and i have to be like i made you you're me you know like shut your fucking mouth like stop back talking me but like that's me it's just uh it's funny i don't have children at what point in 
Bless you. Them growing up, <laughs> do you start to see those things? You know, so they were five and six when I got clean. And I never minimize my addiction, but I am very blessed to say that I got to do a lot of their at home, like their, their nurturing and my attachment with them and the raising um, before I got completely soul gripped up in my disease. Um, they kind of, they had grown up with further me, like yeah, yeah. In their life. yeah. Um, uh-huh. and, and I'm not saying that to minimize whatsoever and we'll kind of probably get into that a little bit later but I think after I got clean I suffered from that oh my gosh I, I I'm gonna make my kids an addict you know and so any little thing like um I remember oh, this was like four years ago my youngest broke into the neighbor's house actually she left her door unlocked and he went in with another little kid and just watched her tv yeah and, and to me, it's like, oh, my gosh. And I have to be able to say, is that just like a seven-year-old being wild and like a little bit of rebellious? Or do I really have that much power in a crystal ball to know what his life choices are going to be from here on out? You know, but like it's still a fear. It's an impending fear of what have I influenced them to? Um, how much of this is, you know, I don't know what kind of genetics go into addiction or, you know, all I know is that their chances are so much fucking better the more I can expose them to being clean, being in recovery. Um, and you know, you and I were just talking before the show, they, they've, the youngest one doesn't remember the, the active addiction lifestyle. Um, my oldest one does, he's 13 now, but they both are very much exposed to recovery and to wellness and to what that looks like. And so um, I've kind of died down to answer your question on like how to, how to differentiate between them just being a kid. Like I just had the most powerful conversation with the youngest one. He wants to write a letter to the state Senator to extend the time of school to start at like (laughs) nine o'clock. Like, okay. So it went from, it went from mom, you need to quit your job and homeschool us. And who knows what for a source of income because he literally looks at me today with the saddest puppy dog eyes and says, this is prison. Going to the school, all we do is learn. And then it came to he's going to state his case. So yeah. he says, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to write a petition to the senator and I'm going to get all these um, signatures. signatures <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to extend the start time of school to like 10 o'clock. And so we had a actual conversation about that on the ride here and the pros and cons of that. And dude, follow your dreams. Like, I don't know what, you know, and it's a different world these days, man. And like, you know, I'm sorry, but in those classrooms, like things do need to change as far as the way this younger generation is taught, the techniques that are used, the approaches and that sort of thing. Children who grew up with the internet, yeah, I believe, tend to learn differently. Yeah, than, say me or you do. Absolutely. You know? um, <sighs> but you mentioned them like being very familiar with like the process of recovery. Mm-hmm. You know? Your oldest sat down right there, and he like went through every guest that we've had on. He started, I know, I know uh-huh. this person, I know oh, that yeah. person, I know that person, mm-hmm. I know that person. He started naming off all my guests that I've <laughs> yeah. talked to. He knows them all. Yeah, you know. The coolest part, I think, is you know with them being exposed to. The 12 step fellowship for me that, you know, is kind of a big, a big Mecca of my recovery. Um, they get to see some of that, <clears throat> that hugging 
and that welcoming and embracing. And I see him doing that with other people. And I see confidence in him with a stranger. Like he obviously takes my good word at knowing you're a cool dude. Cause we're here and doing this, but there's no hesitation in him linking with you and f- trying to find out what you're about and connection that like, I feel as though I'm breeding some connection and that was what was like missing. That's the missing piece to our puzzle, Absolutely. right? Is that that connection? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, by the end of our conversation about recovery, I was offering him his own podcast. Did, did you <laughs> <Yeah>. get that? <laughs> <laughs> he will take you up on that offer. Yeah. We got we to have parents' consent before we do any oh, move man. any forward with that. Yeah, for sure. Um. So, the um, your story. Mm-hmm. the way that like we got here right like how the universe aligned mm-hmm. to where you would show up sit at a table <laughs> to talk to me about yeah. recovery with these two wonderful young men in the mm-hmm. room right and be so comfortable yeah. about being that being that open about it like how did we get here mm. i had to finally embrace my story my truth and stop trying to sell something else another version um, At the beginning, was there? Oh gosh, was it different? Yes. Uh-huh. So different. I grew up. I, I think you know part of my little bio I, I wrote up, and, and a lot of times when I when I tell my story or I speak, you know. At engagements, I, I don't talk about necessarily the drugs becoming the problem. The drugs and alcohol at first, it was, it was fantasy, um, trying to pretend to be something I wasn't, you know, and that came through a form of validation, and that came because there was some shit going on in my house, you know, and I grew up with a mom that wanted everything on the outside to be perfect. And as long as that was matching up, it didn't matter what was going on behind closed doors. And, um, with the just personality that I have, I'm, I'm very loud and I'm very, I'm a performer almost, you know, I think some of it's just me, some of it's my sign, if you believe in that stuff, um, you know, and I just am constantly seeking ways to to get people's attention. It's validation. And, and va- exactly. Mm-hmm. So as a young kid, it was all about putting that mask on and making sure people were buying what we were putting down. The and what char- we were putting. character. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and what we were selling at the time was, like I said, the opposite version. And so growing up and... Um, realizing that that was the only truth I really had was to perform as I was told to perform, um, that caused some internal strife. And so when the fantasy wasn't working, that's when I kind of went to drugs and alcohol. And then lo and behold, had a little point of blur. I've got my own little new set of characters, right? I'm trying to play, um, happily ever after with a husband and two kids and put the front on and it wasn't working. And so, again, I found myself masking my internal unhappiness with drugs and alcohol. And um, today it's so different. I have been through some of the hardest times self-inflicted in my recovery and found more relief and more confidence by embracing that and talking about it and owning it because a couple things happen. One, I start to like take the power, as they say, out of it when I talk about it because 
it's, it's out of these two ears. So when I'm talking about it, I'm inviting other people in, into my process, checking on me, asking, being my eyes and ears. And, and then two, there's another whole element that happens that uniqueness that I think I suffer from. I don't, somebody else says, Oh my God, I've been through that. Or thank you so much for talking about that. You know, um, it's just, it's almost like this, I can't shut up about my struggle at times, you know, like I don't get me wrong. There's times when the phone is heavy and, and I'm having a hard time reaching out to certain people or telling that whole truth. But Nine times out of ten, no, because I have experienced so much relief in just embracing what the fuck's really going on because I have found myself in the most pain and the most darkness. Frankly, I don't even know how I didn't get high behind trying to put that mask on, mm -hmm. you know, um, trying to act like misrecovery. There's no such thing, by the way. Um and just living dirty and just making shitty, shitty choices. Um, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I never even, do you know, I never struggled with infidelity in a romantic relationship until I got clean. Okay. Like, how does that work? I don't even, I don't even know how that works, but trust and believe I'm acting like the front line of recovery, you know, spitting shit out the book and telling people what they need to do. And I'm just, not even like uh I, I i say like knocking off newcomers like that's that that literally was a part of my story it's horrible um thank god you know god thank god i didn't get high thank god they didn't get high but it, it taught me it taught me some humility um and that's to answer your question part of the way that it just is so important i embrace that truth i have to i have to be honest with me have to We'll get, we're we're going to get there. Okay. But you hit on something that I think is important that we investigate a little bit further. And that is the, um, this role, this character that you described, mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. center of attention, life of the party, mm -hmm. right? That sounds very familiar, mm -hmm. right? And it probably sounds very familiar to some individuals who, yeah. are, who may be tuning in. Um, and I, what I would like to know is like how knowing what you know now and being able to recognize that in yourself, mm -hmm. it still has to be present at some time. Oh, right? God, That's yes. like a, though that was like a role that we played. It was also, um, it's also, we got a, we got a young man at the door. <laughs> he goes to the only one that's not open. It's fine. It's so fun. <laughs> you know? So like, how do you channel that energy today is what I'm asking. Mm. Like, how do you, cause that energy is there. Right. It's, it's unavoidable. Mm -hmm. It's not something that it's not a light switch that you can just shut off. No, it's not. And right. You know, there's there's so much of it that I've been able to channel into a positive way. You know, um, that confidence that I once lacked, um, I find in my experience. And, you know, I love talking to people and doing stuff, you know, like talking with you and, and, and sharing with other people. But I have to stay insulated. I Like, this is 100% just... I think the only reason why I have not had any relapses or had any slips as far as with substances is because I stay insulated with people that keep me accountable. Yeah. Like even in my darkest of times, the, the biggest performance selling, I have people in my life that truly know that worst version. 
they can see me coming from a mile away. One, my number one is my sponsor. Um, she she knows she knows by the sound of my voice. Um, they can know, recognize when that. Yeah, we've developed been, a relationship yeah. that she just girl. Who in the hell are you trying to fool? Like that kind of stuff. It is. Is he? She ain't printed off so much stop, stuff. Stop, stop. Dude. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, it's my totally gosh. Fine. What is happening? I'm wondering, I'm wondering what it is, but it's totally What fine. did you do? Huh? Memes? No. <laughs> don't do any more, please. I'll pay for whatever. It's, it's, it's fine. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I told you nothing could go wrong. Oh, my. I know, right? Didn't I? That is a power interfering right there. Like, oh, my gosh. Um, I told you nothing could go wrong. Nothing could go wrong. Um, so, you know, like today, going back to your question a little bit, it's the number one is keeping people around me that are, they just know my shit, man. They just, they will call me out and say, you're dude, you're, you're all about some ego right now. I was in a meeting, no shit the other day, um, with a really good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, they were like ego lens. I mean, it just, you know, and that's again, we laugh it off somewhat, but it's 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 serious and it's a part of me. Um yeah, I think that's probably the the number one is keeping myself insulated and, and and doing that inventory. Like I'm you know, whether it be through a, a twelve step process, um, just trying to take a hard look at me, you know. One of the things that when I got um into recovery was I was challenged. Um by my stepdad he um he's also in recovery and um was at the time but not when I was growing up and I'll never forget he and my mom picked me up um that last night and he he just challenged me with a question he just asked you want to know what 99% of your problems are and I was like yeah and he said you and you know that's been something I've carried with me ever since um I'm still the like I've 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 put drugs and alcohol down and picked up choice, but those choices were for a very long time still um, fueled by this makeup that I have mm -hmm. that's full of manipulation, full of deceit, full of self-centeredness, as we've already talked about. And just because I put drugs and alcohol down doesn't mean that that stuff goes away. Like mm -hmm. I still have to be regularly working on myself. Um, it comes through other people at times, you know, whether it be my kids, whether it be somebody else in recovery, that one person I can't stand at work. Yeah. She's got something to show me the guy driving down the highway that like, ugh, like everybody has something to show me. Um, I got that. You know what I mean? But how do you keep it in check? How do you ah. recognize it? What is it? What does, what does the action look like? Yeah. Right? Like the, the action looks like, trying to be as honest as I can with my reality. And again, like as long connection, man, like I, Jeremy, he'll, he'll be on the show. I'm giving him so many plugs. He better fucking mention me. Um, that connection with other people, it, it takes me away from that almighty eye. It takes me away from the isolation. It takes me away from that habitual storytelling that I do. Um, because I've got somebody on me that knows you're full of shit, you know? Um, it's just, it's great. What? No, we're not doing that. So, <clears throat> um, I am, I totally agree with you. Okay. The antidote is connection. Yeah, and right? honesty, I think. Yeah. However, 
that authentic connection that we all like crave mm-hmm. is something that is so fucking foreign yeah. to Steve the addict. Right. right. It's it's not even something that like that's foreign as, as much as it's something that's just like an unlearned skill. Absolutely. It's something it's a skill that I never developed because I played that game, because I lived that facade and put on that show and did all of those things. And so like in early recovery, hmm. cultivating these authentic relationships, having enough faith or trust in the program or in your peers or the people that are around you, like being able to just trust people. Like it's like, I would be lying to you if I told you that it wasn't like a super challenging 100%. learning curve to yeah. get to that point. Yeah. What worked the best for me is this shit right here. Yeah. Right. Sitting here once a week, sometimes twice a week and talking to somebody. Right. And like engaging and actively listening and finding out what works for them. Right. Um, uninterrupted minus kids, uninterrupted mm-hmm. phones down, you know, outside of like my fellowship, outside of my meeting, people from different walks of life, people who don't show up to the meetings that I attend, people that are outside of my scope of practice, mm-hmm. um, and getting to know people. But in early recovery, man, that's fucking scary, dude. No, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so what's the process? Oh, the process for me. Um, looked like a lot of that show and just no connection really, but just performing somewhat. I've so, always been a, a girl, like a, a guy's girl. So like I had a really hard time trusting women when I got here, like super full of insecurities, projecting those onto others. Say I didn't trust them, but really it was me being untrustworthy. Did you have a second part to your question? I had a question. You thought, yeah. Um, so, Protecting anonymity. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first time someone called bullshit on the show in recovery? No. You don't remember? No. You have no. It wasn't Did like a moment of clarity where you're just like, "What do you mean?" Like, oh, on my show? Yeah, uh-huh. Oh, I thought you meant this show. No, no, I was no, like, no, 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 no. Oh no, he's no, no, gonna no. know that I haven't been. No. I haven't been tuning in. Like. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, I on, do. On your show? Yes, on my show, I do. Um, gosh, I do, and that was. So, uh, that, that didn't go down well. It didn't go down well. It went down with like defiance and uh, uh-uh, and how dare you tell me about me and I'm going to point like seven more fingers back at you and what you're doing. And it, it, it wasn't like you said, anything that I was used to internalizing. Like it was very foreign to me, very foreign to me. Um, just even letting anybody in to know what was real and what was fake was foreign to me. Um, my first sponsor, I'm serious. Like it was, it was by name. Like I, th- there was no real connection. Even I wanted to tell her everything she wanted to hear. Um, be that great little student and that little perfectionism. It was again, just like a puppet, like just performing. Um, I would say that it, it wasn't until I got into some real pain And it was like, you're going to get high or you're going to have to do something that you don't know that's very uncomfortable and see where that takes you. And and I did go that route and it's, it served me well, even though today at times people call me out and I have to, 
take a minute, you know, like I've got out of those, those four friends, they'll call me out. I mean, we, we, we've got some boundaries as far as, do you want to hear my truth? Do you want to hear about you? Can I tell you about you? Um, does it, usually, does it usually start off like that? Yeah. Sometimes, uh-huh. sometimes that we don't even ask. It just comes out mm-hmm. and, uh, it may take a day for, for a response to come out because it's still really hard understanding that even though I'm, you know, in recovery and I'm, you know, abstinent from drugs and alcohol, like I'm still real fucked up at certain times, you know, but it takes a minute for me to be able to accept that. Do I want to change it? I've, I have legit stayed in sheer chaos for a year and a half and been fine with it. And you couldn't tell me different. I'm fine. Sleeping fine at night. That was a scary place to be in. Um, but yeah, I remember that first moment that someone called me out and it started with that story. Like I was telling you with my stepdad, I was so enraged, but I need, there was so much healing that came behind that. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like that double edged sword. And you also hit on, this time. is going to save your life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Um, but it's also, you hit on like the most significant growth comes mm-hmm. from the pain. Right. Yeah. It, it's specifically in recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've been clean almost five years and like my most significant and probably accelerated growth came through experiencing the most challenging yeah. shit mm-hmm. that I felt like was unbearable, yeah. unachievable, like things that you just could not get to. But in that moment I had enough I developed enough skills in early recovery that I knew what to turn to, right? right? I knew to turn to my practice. I knew to t- knew what to turn to in order to overcome those things. Mm-hmm. And then once you do, the shit happened to me just last week. But wow. once you do, you're just like, it's almost like a humble sense of pride. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like, not like, oh, look what Love the fuck, I, not like, look what the fuck <clears throat> I did, but it's just like, wow, I cannot believe that I feel the way I do after experiencing that. Like, I'm fucking proud of myself. Right. Right. I, I'm totally proud of myself. And there's a big difference between like, look, look at me, the cheerleader over here, and this is the shit that I just went through. Yeah. Um, but that's happened multiple times over the years. About, about every six months to a year, something significant yeah. significant happens. And it's like a wake-up call to remind you, like, hey, you ready to do this? Yeah. You still playing this game? Because mm-hmm. I got something for you, girl. Do you find yourself um, – hey, Jax, will you give me some water? Jackson, do you do you find yourself – water, water. Water? Um, like in that place of – I know for me it's like when when I can say, oh, I don't know the answer – help like that kind of pain is probably the most humbling humiliating but where that pride afterwards stems from because i'm not in control like i really don't have the answers that you you know what i mean you're intentionally removing yourself from the or letting go of control Yeah. The, the defiance is kicking in. Yeah, I just want some water. <laughs> the defiance okay. is kicking in. Yeah, where you're like, you're intentionally letting go of control. Um, yeah, because I still, that's my, that's my one still addiction. Like, hands in it. 
And it's easy when you're a mom and you have things to control. I know, like, what am I going to do when I grow up? And like, I know. And there's little autonomous people. Like, he just told me, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get you you water, mom. (laughs) wanted me to do it right now at your moment. Like, I'm going to do it when I want to do it. Mm -hmm. Thanks, guy. He's the best. Water. Thanks. Um, Future NC Raw podcast coming your way soon. (laughs) Future NC Raw host. Love it. Um, but you know, that's that's just kind of the bigger picture. Inactive addiction, I thought I was in control. In those times of performing as a kid, I thought I was in control. I thinking I'm in control, I'm driving the bus, as they say, nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten, it always gets me in trouble. The bus will crash. It will. You know, like being able to just zoom out and and say, you know what, we can acknowledge it. We have been abstinent from drugs and alcohol for a significant amount of time. Our lives are increasingly so much better. We probably do not have people knocking on our doors trying to chase <laughs> us down. Our phone like consistently works. We're not having to, you know, change the number every however long. Um, you know, like stuff is consistently getting better. You get a paycheck. Right. But remembering still, like I'm, I'm, I'm having to ever work in for that. There's many roles that I've been blessed to be designated in mom being one of them, like taking for granted and trying to just dictate the fuck out of that or control the fuck out of that. Like it will smack me in the face Mm -hmm. just like. It did back then. But the difference is, is that you know that now. Right. <laughs> right. Right. But I still don't like always yeah. act on that. Oh, I know yes. a lot. I yeah. remember this girl. She just used to say, I know a lot. And um, God, I just, if I can hit my knees in that humility stage of just, you're not in control. Yeah. Um, as much yeah. as I know it, I would probably have a, you know. Less amount. I would probably have a significantly less amount of pain, but at the same time, dude, I learned from pain and I learned from poor choices. We don't call them mistakes. We call them poor choices. Um, I don't know. The key is not making the same choice again. Yeah, that's when they say you're really recovering when you make new mistakes. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm a I'm. I come from a different pathway of recovery than you do. And I, I okay. participate in the refuge recovery fellowship. Awesome. I, ha- I have since the, since day one. Dude, so that's awesome. Meditation. Yeah. Uh, mindfulness. Yeah. Compassion, kindness, forgiveness, all that stuff. Yeah. Like daily meditation practice is like the, the main element to, um, the so program. Don't, yeah. It, check it out. It's totally cool. I'm so um, jealous because why? that's an area that I definitely, I, I know I struggle with, and I'm I'm really excited to see how you and Jeremy pick each other's yeah. brains because I got, I, he, I picked up on someone from from his post yeah. that he may be kind of along the same lines of thinking. Took name drop number three by the way, Jeremy. Dude, I think it was like seven. Okay, <laughs> um, he really cranked up um, my spiritual awakening. Um, I got to meet him kind of before he moved to Asheville, and. You know, some people, you can just get that vibe off of them, you know, and he is just, he's a real spiritually enlightened kind of guy, very humble. And, you know, that's another thing. Like I've, I've, I've got 
people in my life that we can go and have fun. I know they know the best spots to eat or, you know, somebody that I like kind of dabble with, like with financial help when I'm working on my credit, you know, I can pick that part up, but he is one that has been consistently just, I mean, we went through some mantras and he helped me with my breathing and um, I still struggle with it. And it's probably because I haven't designated enough time to that. Um, and I was plugging refuge recovery oh, yeah. just the other day at work. Mm-hmm. And here I am like, cause I, I am very open. Like, I, you know, shared, I'm an avid member of a, a certain 12 step fellowship, but I'm also like professionally being a certified peer support. It, I'm so grateful for that because it's not the way it's a way, mm-hmm. you know, and that was foreign to me for a long time. Same. So, I think it's really neat and I need to challenge myself to really look into Take five minutes every morning. Different parts. It's so sad because when I'm on, I'm spot on. And he even sends me a damn Does he? every morning. It's like a spiritual check in. And I've gotten to the point now where I don't even send him the like the like thing oh, where shit. you can like you know what I mean? But look uh, at look at you being honest here. I know. <laughs> I'm so honest. Yeah. Um but it's nice to have that because there's going to be a day when I'm real fucked up and that, that text is going to hit me mm-hmm. and it's going to spark a conversation and it's going to, you know, dude, I need you, you know, and like then a whole nother conversation with somebody else and um, it's coming. You know, that's that's one thing that I love about a spiritual program is that I feel almost empowered behind the things I can work on not beating myself up behind not practicing a certain set of organized. That's the difference. You know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's why I think I gravitated so much towards the 12-step program that I'm in is because it's so spiritual-based as far as we're not going to condemn you if you don't do this shit perfectly. Mm-hmm. I'm human above all, you know, whether I'm – recovering addict recovering this whatever i'm human and so much of that humanness i spent a long time not embracing because i was told i wasn't doing things right and i was going to be condemned for not doing those things right you know i can sit here with confidence today and say man i have to work on that you know like i'm really interested in the refuge recovery i'm gonna check that out not oh my gosh, I'm not as recovered as he is. Or, you know, like I, I don't have to have that constant comparison in my mind. Jeremy's so enlightened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there one day. Um, mm-hmm. The meditation just helped me like get out of my head and realize yeah. that the story wasn't always the truth, right? And um, you talked about like allowing, getting out, out from behind the wheel of the bus. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the way I kind of understand it through this meditation is that you're the, you're the star of your own movie, right? Yeah. Except for through this meditation practice, it allows you to step out of the movie and just take a seat in the front row. And you're still the star of the movie. Right. But you're just watching it. Yeah. You're not influencing what happens. That's another <laughs> right? thing he loves. It's like a bamboo. Like yeah. you can be so, you know, so many times in my life I have allowed out things outside of me to have power whether it be my kids, whether it be the weather, whether it be relationships, relationships. Oh gosh. (laughs) Um, don't even, I mean, we can do it. We can go there. Um, your thing's going to light up, 
But I have allowed those things when, because being not in the seat that you're in watching, being in the seat of the director role, I have certain expectations. <laughs> and so when those expectations don't come out the way I want them to, I'm very influenced. I'm not just kind of swaying with things and accepting things because I'm not in the right seat. And more I'm times than not, not they're not going to come out the way that you want. Absolutely not. You know it's that going in. Just, yeah. Right? But it took the pain to get there. I mean, I, I'm grateful to know that now. I really am. You know, when I get home from work every day, I know as as kindly as I've put it to them, as bitchy as I've put it to them, as threatening as I've like physically maybe, you know, scared their life, my house is going to be a wreck. It's going to be a wreck. If I have that expectation going in, my reaction walking in that door literally is going to be a lot more different. Um, but there's some days I, I tell this, it's kind of funny that like anger knocks like, mm -hmm. what the fuck? What's the matter with you? And then pride comes in. Go ahead. Call somebody like I can't say who to call, but call, call whoever you want to come and, you know, get you. Cause I'm them pretty much. Um, I control mandated services. No, but it, it just, that, that flowing reaction that I have is usually based on my investment in something outside of me. And if it's not just, Hey, it's going to be what it's going to be. You know, mm -hmm. I would love to adopt that practice in parenting. Like we'll see. Or even Relationships. To take it to another level to teach them that. Yeah. So that you don't have to adopt it. Yeah. Uh, how about it? Oh, you, that was a, that was uh -huh. a super challenge right there. Yeah, that was. What's your What's your biggest area of struggle as far as your seat that you find? Like, where do you still want to control? Where do you still want to play director, I, I bus driver? I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna reverse the role. Probably, and that's totally okay. Um, probably with balancing like my ambitions mm -hmm. right and setting too high like holding myself to too high of a standard wow. with like this shit sure right because like i'm not i'm not making a living doing this but it's what i love right and so like finding that balance to put in the appropriate amount of effort you know into something that long term i hope to be Right. sustainable enough so I don't have to work a stupid job that I'm miserable at and I can do something that I love right. it's going to take a lot of effort but in that meantime the amount of time that I spend doing this shit mm -hmm. has jeopardized and cost me relationships <laughs> you know so yeah. it's like you know how to in in the grand scheme of my life in the you know the next 40 years or 50 years that are left like how do I knowing the importance of this connection, knowing right. the importance of human right. connection. Um, am I okay saying 40 years down the road that I jeopardized relationships because I was so yeah. kind of career focused, you know, yeah. or getting this thing off the ground focused. Right. And like, what, how do I find that balance? Mm -hmm. Don't know. It's work in progress. Learn from my mistakes, you know? That, like, and I think what even would you say about like faith in like where you have been, and, I, and I'm, I'm thinking recovery here. So like where I, I, I was, I'm not trying to make your shit about me, but I try to um, identify, yeah, right? Yeah. Because 
I can remember coming into recovery and, you know, having relationships that didn't understand where my devotion, where my Mm -hmm. focus, where my drive needed to be still comparing, man, I want to, I want to have 30 years and I want to have this and I want to, I want to have a car. I want to be off the bus line. (laughs) I want to have custody of my kids, you know, Mm -hmm. like, so I was comparing. And so, you know, in the scheme of, of your profession right now, I'm sure you have goals that you want to achieve and you want to be here and you have markers for yourself and you may even have like a Joe Rogan that you like compare yourself to, right? Like on a pedestal and, and want to achieve that. And so, I feel like it's it's kind of, for me, the same application I would put is when my life becomes unmanageable, yeah. trying to chase that. Mm-hmm. I have evaded my parenting, like personal responsibilities behind recovery. Hurry up, put some food in your mouth. I got to go. I got to meet a sponsee. I got to go speak. I got to go do this. And, you know, I have to, I have to check myself. What's my bare minimum of like being able to achieve what is sustainable as far as like career wise, I'm, I'm, I'm working towards this goal, this, this one here, not the one five down the road. Okay. Not the Joe Rogan. We'll put Joe Rogan at the top, but like, you know, just the next step and being able to kind of gauge myself based off of what's the minimum I can put in, yeah. um, today, you know, cause, cause that was a struggle for me and it still is, you know, like even my parents, like my, my mom struggles with my devotion, um, to my recovery at times and, you know, I've traveled with it and I've, I've been blessed to do a lot of different things. And at the same time, it's, it's, it sustains me. Like I, I cannot live without it, but at the same time, I've got that thing inside of me to where I, I know how to chase something beyond what's appropriate, yeah. beyond what's manageable. So see the thing about it is is like I was fortunate enough throughout most of my active drug use like 90% of it to like have and hold a great job. Look at you. Right, I don't know how. Right. But I did and I made good money and that's what supported nice. it. That's what supported it all. Mm-hmm. And so like I know what it's like to work to be like that career focused i know what it's like to work at a place or just have a career have a career right that's not meaningful right that doesn't fulfill me in ways that at this point in my life work needs to fulfill Mm -hmm. me or my time essentially Right. right and so that's why it's so important to me to do something that I love regardless of if I have to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the rest of the week, then that's what we're going to do. Yeah. I can get me a bag of hot dogs for $3, some ketchup at the dollar store. I'm good to go. Right? Like if that's what I got to do, that's what I got to do because this shit is so meaningful. Right. Because these conversations are so meaningful. And then to take it a step further, I mean, it's kind of selfish of me, but it's like, you know, I get so much out of doing this that I would do it if nobody listened. I would do it if I never get paid for it. I would do it just because I enjoy doing it. Right? Well, so not, it's how like, is that selfish though? I don't know. It's just because it's like cause you it's, got it's that because yeah. you got that internal thing telling you it is. Mm-hmm. But really, how much of that is how much of that is disease? How much of that is just bullshit? You know, A lot. telling you that like, oh, you're not matching up because in society standards, you're not making X amount of figure. You know, I mean, yeah. I. Dude, it goes back to the, the the way our makeup is just 
fucked up sometimes, yeah. you know? Like, I can't even see the simple joy in, in what you just said. Like, you can't, that's, that's, that's how powerful this thing is. It wants to rob you of just saying, even if I didn't get paid to do this, I would still do it, man. Every week. But that's not right. You know, like, it's, mm-hmm. it's that right or wrong. And, man, sometimes I just, I would love to shut that part off, you know? But we don't, we don't get to do that. That's what I think probably challenges me to know that like I'm going to need this thing for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. This personal inventory process, this taking a look at how I'm how I'm viewing things, how I'm making decisions, how I'm interacting with other people, how I'm viewing myself, you know, and I, I think that's that's probably the one piece that's going to keep me here. It's, you know, the abstinence from drugs and alcohol is awesome. It, it, I mean, it just is. But I think the improvement of self is just something that, like, I, I need that. Like, I, I need that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sick of beating myself up. I'm, I'm sick of comparing myself and not being able to follow dreams based off of just they internally fulfill me, you know? I'm all, I'm just comparing to what other people think and how others will view me. And man, it's a, it's a powerful thing that we <laughs> got up in here. Yeah. Like what, what? Sit down and meditate for 20 yeah, minutes every day. Yeah, I need to do that. I need to do it, that. That'll help. No, no, no. Yeah. It won't make it go away, mm-hmm. but it'll create, Jeremy will tell you, it'll create more space in yeah. between that shit. I do some guided meditation, yeah, which is really, works. I mean, it has to, because <laughs> I, I still, even after almost seven years, have a hard time quieting my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. So, And that's the difference. You just said that's okay. That's okay. Right? And yeah. it's not like um, so many people, I talk to so many people and they're just like, oh, I can't do it. It doesn't work. My shit don't work like that. Whatever, whatever, whatever. And there's nothing different about you and them right, and anybody right. else, right? Right. Um, and it's not that passive, like, okay, like, I'm unwilling. It's just, you know, it is what it is right now. Maybe I'll get there. I, I hope to. I really do. I hope to. That looks good on people. <laughs> looks good on people, <laughs> aka Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. My sponsor has it too. Uh-huh. She does. You got it. You've got it. But you got a little more um, personality. Yeah. That's why I was like, what? Because the camera's on. You're a meditator. What? Because yeah. the camera's <laughs> on. You have a sense of humor. Microphone. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, that is like the most important part of my recovery is fucking around. Having like, fun in recovery. Not, humor in recovery. What does fun look like God. in Lindsay's life today? Oh, man. You know, I always have that, like, I'm living my best life. Like That's what the first sentence on the thing said. That. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> It's me trying to not be as old as I am. You know, I'm living through these kids and I'm, man, they just, they teach me stuff every day. Like these little lingos and, um, dances. Oh gosh. (laughs) Um, no fun today is, is legit. Like at a fucking concert that I wanted to go to 20 years ago, pregnant as shit, clean with a group of people that we just like, don't even judge me played Red Bull pong. Like, it it just that outside just God I remember early recovery like going to Walmart at four a.m. just you know like riding in my car and just being cool with like making an ass of myself dancing and just man it's 
life is fun. I, I don't even know how to sum it up to just one thing I do or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm connected with a lot of people. And I, I think that drives me still, that gives me a little bit of the healthy balance with the mm-hmm. performing today. Um, and my, and my children are connected with a lot of people too. Um, I don't have any, um, real, like I have some, some cousins and an aunt that live locally in Asheville where I live, but my parents, you know, my mom's in Atlanta, my dad's in Charlotte and, um, I'm, I'm dependent in, in a sense behind my tribe, like that tribe that took me a while to acquire, because as we've discussed, that did not come naturally for me. Um, but Staying, that that is the fun, you know. Yeah, everything that we talked about tonight has circled back to that connection. Yeah. Every question, every kind of yeah. like avenue <laughs> that we've gone down circles back to that connection. Um, and we got into a little bit about, um, you know, that moment where you kind of like realized what was going on, where your stepfather, you said, mm-hmm. said, let you know who the problem was. Yeah, let me know quick. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, what is the in going in to the rooms and in seeking out that tribe and seeking mm-hmm. out those relationships, um, what is the process of letting your guard down? Dude. Like how, how, like how, how has it shifted over time from that first time right. you walked in into what it is today, this loud and right. bubbly and energetic person who is not, perform no longer performing right. has retired mm-hmm. from Somewhere. stage right and is now living her her true life right i think i had to for on a personal level and and tribe level had to sift through the bullshit i had to sift through and and some of this was without my permission um who was for me and who wasn't you know when i got to a level of being in pain when i got to the level of man i'm doing some really sh- like dangerous stuff right now I might need to reach out to somebody when I acted on that vulnerability and wasn't met with trust excuse me wasn't met with loyalty as far as friendship goes um I had to no longer make it about that person I had to continue on the search of the the vulnerability of the the trying to trust and that was really hard because you're you're coming from a belief system that is so warped that I have been let down my whole life. So you're telling me that I got to continue depending on people. You're telling me that even after this dude breaks my heart and does X, Y, and Z, that this girl still might go sleep with him. You're telling me that somebody still might go and tell my secrets. You know, I had to get past the fact that shit happens, but I can't make somebody else's reaction about me if I am seeking solution if I'm trying to build that tribe and and get to a better version of me in spite of whatever comes whatever type of rejection whatever type of disloyalty I still have to continue on that path and it's been my experience that behind doing that even in some lonely times the people that were there for me they, they were sifted through and they, they are still standing today. They mm-hmm. truly are without judgment, sometimes with the right amount of judgment. Um, 
those are the people that I was eventually able to gravitate towards and start to trust. Um, and, and then internally it, it was pain, pain motivated me. It was like either get high and go back to the same fucking shit that you had or do something different, you know? And it was a big leap, man. I remember just telling somebody for the first time, like what was going on, you know, that I was in some pain behind a relationship or, you know, even shit like I want to get high, you know, like with time, without time. Like I'll tell you now, like I've thought more about drinking pregnant and, and I have l- luckily and with purpose set people up in my life that I tell that stuff to and I need to tell that stuff to and I get met with compassion and love, not judgment and not shame. And, um, you, you almost, you have to kind of bear that stuff to figure out who's not going to bring it to you. If that makes any sense. I hope I answered that. You did. Like, you know, it just, man, it's such a process and it continues to be a process, you know, and it, it takes me back, you know, I, I have to inventory all my relationships. Like what kind of friend am I being? Um, what kind of sponsor am I being? You know, like I just, and I'll openly share this and I, she, she may be listening. I love her so much. Um, but I just had a sponsee make the decision after like a little over three years to, you know, go to another sponsor and, um, nothing but support and love needs to come behind that. Do you hear me? And like my ego tried to knock on the door a little bit and it came with uh, some tears and some sadness and like, what the fuck? Um, but you know, through, not my my experience, but being connected with other people. And like, I've got a best friend that didn't have that experience, man. She didn't have that experience, not once, but twice. And I tell people this all the time. If it doesn't fucking look good on them, don't try that shit on. Don't try that shit on. It don't fit you. If you already know it's a bad look for them, why are you going to do that? Why? And so taking that moment to like completely zoom all the way out that decision was not about me. That decision was about her and what she needed. And what I was able to meet her with was nothing but love and tell her how proud of her I was and how honored I was to be a part of her process. And that might not have been me a year ago. Mm-hmm. You know, that might not have been me when I was full of ego. And, you know, it's pretty amazing to have just a genuine and compassionate reaction to some uncomfortable news to some sad news to some something I don't want you know but at the end of the day it's 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 not about me man and like that's the type of shit I learned through recovery like I just it's it's and I left that situation with nothing but so much acceptance like appreciation and like absolutely Uh absolutely and we're still connected today there's nothing a title changes, you know, that, and, and that's another thing with like recovery. <laughs> oh my God. Thinking that like a sponsor has some type of special power over another person. I have number one, my sponsor has no control over the shit I do. I still lie. I it, still do that. It's very obvious. Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> obvious. Yeah. Like, oh God. She's like rolling her eyes right now. Um, but to think that I, there's any dictatorship, you know, it's, that's not what it is. It's, it's simply just being a vessel and that's, that's one of the things that as I've been humbled through my process and, and, and some of that's come, I have to say it through professionally working, um, in recovery 
that it's it's nothing more than a vessel. There's no right or wrong. There's no, it's just a way. Um, a principle of anonymity, we hear it a lot. A lot of people think it means you go into a meeting and and this is this is a part of it. You go into a meeting and somebody shares your shit outside the meeting. Oh my God, we're anonymous. Well, that that's a, that's a part of it. Another huge part of it is just because like, what works for you, works for you. What works for me, works for me. That doesn't make it right or wrong. I don't need to judge. I don't need to try and do anything with that. We're all we're both sick. You're trying to get medicine. I'm trying to get medicine. There's there's just a level of equality that I think gets missed sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of politics behind a lot of this stuff. And I I was hoping we would kind of get into some of this, um, but I just. I think so much that I can have this um, spiritual ammunition at times and like use it to absolutely just like shoot the wounded, you know, and try to compare and try to judge and try to tell you what you need to do for your recovery because that's the way I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. No, like a true form of anonymity. One of the truest forms of anonymity is the equality is understanding that what works for you works for you. And that's your way. It doesn't make it right or wrong. That's yours. Yeah. Own that shit. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I haven't, I have like very little uh, experience in any of the 12 step fellowships, mm-hmm. like very little. But okay. um, one of the things that really appealed to me, that's kind of like what you're hitting on is when I talked to Philip and he kept circling back to just keeping it simple and spiritual principles mm-hmm. and just living by mm-hmm. those principles. And that's like what you're talking about yeah. is that like, that um, keeping keeping that balance, keeping right. that unity with each other. Um, at Refuge Recovery, we call it, we we have a mentor. We don't have a, a sponsor Sponsored. because okay. of that kind of like outsider looking in kind of like stigma that's around that sponsory relationship that people expect your sponsor to be kind of authoritarian and give you uh, more direction. And so like it's and these guys who wrote this Refuge Recovery stuff, they're like Buddhists, but they have a 12-step background. Mm-hmm. So they kind of incorporated many of those principles into the, they kind of looked at things and incorporated that in like a Buddhist kind of context. And so um, that was one of the things is like a Refuge Recovery Mentor is, and it's supposed to be that way. And the other yeah. fellowships is somebody who walks alongside <laughs> you. Supposed to be. I, I said that. I don't it's know. It's supposed <laughs> to be. Well, yeah. you know, it's really. Based off of what you just right. said. Yeah. And and it's taken me doing it the wrong way to sure. understand mm-hmm. the the severity of some of the impact. And I, and I want to touch on this because, you know, there is obviously a substance epidemic going on in our nation right now. You know, I mean, that's hands down, whether it's opioids, whether it's whatever it's it's an it's it's taken over our nation and it is becoming to the point where you know there, there's some there's some good that's coming out of it and you know peer support is coming out of that mm-hmm. and awareness to addiction and awareness to recovery is coming out of that and one of the things that i have experienced is in a professional setting somebody having a poor experience in a 12-step fellowship based off of maybe they're taking medicated assisted therapy. Maybe they're, oh gosh, he's... No. (laughs) (laughs) And what's happening is, unfortunately, well, there's a couple of things happening. 
is that, and, and I want to break it down a little bit. So on the professional level, I have, I've heard professionals guiding their peers to stay away from certain 12 step fellowships based upon not their personal experience, but based off of feedback, something somebody else got valid. 100% it is. Here's the problem. My mom just had shoulder surgery. Okay. A couple years ago, she broke her hip, had a shitty fucking experience at a certain hospital mm-hmm. in a certain part of the state. I'm going to keep it real anonymous. Okay. <laughs> she had a shitty fucking experience. I didn't tell her to go to the dentist for that yeah. fucking shoulder replacement mm-hmm. surgery. You understand what I'm saying? 12-step fellowship is still very much equipped to handle drug and alcohol problems. That's what we do, okay? On the back side of that, then you've got people that want to pretend they're clinicians. Number one, I've got no experience with MAT. Number two, I'm not a clinician. I spent a couple years in my recovery adopting beliefs that weren't mine. I'm going to own that because what happens behind that is people die. And what happens is people don't feel welcomed and they don't come back and they don't, they don't survive that Mm -hmm. based off of somebody's opinion. I just said to you, I don't have experience with it. It then becomes my opinion. I can mix that up with my weight in a certain fellowship because I'm very well known or I can, you know, really have a lot of influence on somebody's first couple initial, their exposure to that 12 step fellowship. And they may never fucking walk through that door again, based upon power of my tongue solely. I went to a convention over the summer, a worldwide convention where a woman, she owned that with 20 plus years um, of recovery she had pretty much ridiculed another member that was on MAT and was holding a certain position, um, not a money position, but just kind of a clerical type of thing, and said to her, you can't do that because, I'm going to say it, you're not clean. That woman has 30 years today. The other one's never been seen again. She had to own the fact that she alone solely influenced how welcome that woman felt based off of her judgment. I speed. I'm not here to tell people it's okay to speed. Okay. Like I'm here to say that shit is wrong. And you like base your own opinion. I'm, I'm not going to get into a whole medicated assisted therapy, like the ins and outs. I don't have experience with that, but I have been a lot more loud on challenging members of certain 12-step fellowships to fucking, we welcome murderers, we welcome rapists, we welcome people that are pedophiles, we welcome people and we have no opinion on their psychedelic medications or their psychotropic medications, on their um, mental health medication. Why do I need to put a hat on to try to have any type of opinion on what someone's doing for their path of recovery does that am i saying i agree with it i'm saying that it has no place when i'm trying to welcome someone that's coming into a 12-step program because they have a problem with drugs and alcohol and i may be the one thing that stops them at the door i'm just saying um you know but there's it's a beef it is a beef i sit back on facebook and watch the the memes in these little groups 
and there's it, there's two there's two extremes. It's it's one or the other, and right. there's no compromise in the middle. And the thing and that is in the middle is the people's fucking, lives. It, it is, and it's what we're supposed to be adopted on: unity and fucking acceptance and unconditional love. Yeah. If we could just go off of those, we really wouldn't have a problem. Yeah, we really wouldn't. But you know, it took me not doing that to realize how important that shit is today. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things where like, um. What I've what I've come to observe is that number one, um, many of the MAT doctors, many of the harm reduction organizations, needle exchanges, and um, places like that, mm -hmm. they have been doing this work for a significant period of time, and up until the last three, four, maybe maybe five years, the work that they were doing was not necessarily culturally accepted. Right. Right. Um, and so these individuals who have been doing that work have had to kind of do it with a layer of protection with their dukes up. Right. So they're like they come into it like guns a blazing into every interaction, into every relationship. They got their dukes up because they've, they're used to being attacked. They're right. used to having things come at them. Uh, bulldog mentality because they have to. Now that obviously legislation has changed and it's become more culturally accepted because we're educating our communities and we're talking about it, yeah, right, and sharing the the information, um, they're still protecting themselves. They're yeah. still like they still got their dukes up when they need to have their hand out right. and say, "Hey, you know, I got you. How can we collaborate? How can we work together?" But because they've done it for so long, and this right. is like on the clinician and the harm no, reduction absolutely. side, because they've done it for so long, they're, they're just used to working that right. way. Right. They're used to having to have to be that way. And I would say that it's almost the exact same thing on the opposite end of the spectrum. Absolutely. Is that they're, they've been doing this with their dukes up. And anonymously, uh, anonymously you know, with no numbers and with no, you know, charts and graphs yeah. and uh -huh. fucking, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, like, you got two sides with their dukes up, and what's going to happen? There's going to be a fight. You know what's sad? You know what's really sad is that it's become a professional versus community. Mm-hmm versus addiction and what needs to happen is professional community versus addiction yeah. it's not us versus them them versus us it's both of us versus fucking addiction we're fighting for the same shit that's what blows my mind yeah. but it's that almighty my way and almighty your way and like you know if we do it this way we'll lose less people and that continual battle and we we both yeah. want at the end of the day the same thing isn't that just to, to keep people alive yeah the thing about it is, too, is that, you know, we're looking at this over our lifetime of mm -hmm. recovery, five, ten, whatever years. Like right. we, won't, we can only observe what we've seen in the last right. as long as we've been clean. You know, we're talking about shifting an understanding of an organization, multiple organizations right. that have been around for a hundred years hundred years mm -hmm. right and what what that boils down to is it takes a lot of time yeah right and so there has been significant change in acceptance and significant change in a fairly short period of time mm -hmm. it goes back to our 
judgment, our judgment, me and you, yeah. saying, well, this shit's not moving fast enough right. for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I want to see. We need we need those people to come back. We need to welcome them because it right. is their lives, and their yeah. lives are just as valuable as our lives. Right. But So we need to be more welcoming because it's not moving as fast as we want it to. So like, it's back to this, like, balancing act of, like, yeah, we want fucking people to show up, right? Yeah, we yeah. want them to feel love. We want want to welcome them to our tribe. We want to, we want to do that. Um, and I don't know what the answer is other than being yeah. persistent and, and, and right. offering that on a regular basis. Is it? You know, I don't know how how much you want to talk about this, but is it? Is there a protocol or is there a procedure in like the? the fellowships that you may or may not be a part of where like if somebody is on MAT, like how, like to me, my understanding, if, if it, if I was in their shoes, I would just show up and mm-hmm. not talk about it. Maybe talk about it to my sponsor, right. but like, you know what I mean? Like, why does it, why is there such an argument? Why right, does it come right. up? Why do, we're here for recovery? So let's talk about recovery. You know, like and it's it's strange because like now that I'm in this understanding place that I'm in, I encourage my peers that I get to work with professionally. I I try not to fuel that ammunition, um, and and have them anticipate a problem until there's actually a problem. Okay. So I kind of give them a blanket statement, and I say, you know, and I don't want to set them up either. So I give a blanket statement of, you know, it's been my experience that I'm going to wait to talk with somebody one-on-one. I don't identify, just I just say one-on-one to talk about my medications. Um, you know, there's a 12-step process where I'm doing a individualized inventory. Fellowship that I am a part of has a set of traditions that tries to maintain that same focus based group wise collectively collectively uh-huh. it is becoming above just this he said she said oh my gosh we're going back and forth to where world services of certain fellowships are getting involved um putting out literature that's trying to um educate professionals towards certain language to say not to say because outdated i think it's the and i don't i don't want to misquote here because i'm real big on not giving the right information um formal literature that you know focuses around mat is very outdated so the short of it is um they have collectively sent out many 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 surveys and many 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 feedback forms to try and collectively get a solution. And I think the solution that we're gearing more towards is that foundation of acceptance and welcoming and making sure that if it's not on an individual level, it can start at a, your meeting level, your home group, your, your base meeting level keeping an inventory of are we welcoming all people. If they are coming in and talking about medications, maybe we're not shutting it down based off of just that, but saying, hey, just blanket statement, you can get with somebody one-on-one. We're not doctors. Like, that's really the gist of it, is we're, we're not doctors simple. and we're not Keep here. Simple. Right. <laughs> keeping it really simple. It actually already, one of the traditions states, like, we have no opinion on outside issues. 
the hard part with that is that outside issue affecting my recovery is not a fucking outside issue to me. You know what I mean? Like that's not an outside issue to me. I want to talk about it, especially when I was in early recovery. You know, my, my story involves a lot of like, uh, outpatient therapy. So I was like counseling and that shit got contagious. And I wanted to tell everybody all about me and like what struggle I had. Um, the bus was late. I stubbed my toe, blah, blah, blah. I had to realize there was etiquette as far as like not like you know <laughs> the pay professionals they'll they'll be fine but like other people have other problems and they suffer from the same shit I do and they don't want to hear about my shit. But that's trying such to a, keep that's it such solution, a process. It that's is, such oh a gosh. process for everyone. Oh and you gosh. see it every like yeah. every day, right? I have to laugh because it's like, yay, that was me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't I do realize it, that, that happens to me in the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> in the classroom, yeah. students do the exact same thing in the classroom. <laughs> Oh, it's just my shit's the most important though. You know, That's like right. I suffer from that. Um, so, I, so I think to go back to your question, it just, you know, the protocol is not necessarily one that's been identified. Like, how do you handle this situation? You know, it's not an ABC. It's just a coming back to an inventory that has to start personally and trickle down into a, a group. Um, and, 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 and that's where it starts. What am I doing to welcome that new person? What am I doing? Even when I am, you know, I know your video is not working, but. Oh, it's working. It's oh, just recording. It is. Yeah. Okay. Um, when I, how am I composing myself when I go out in public and I may have um, certain identifiers on a key ring or certain identifiers on my I've person always wondered about that. that, you know, and I'm showing my ass on lane four at Ingalls, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh my God. And I'm flicking somebody off with a decal on my car. Like I am always being looked at and not realizing it as a means of like, um, what is the word I'm looking for? I've done so good, by the way, my pregnancy brain. Like, usually I can't even put, like, whole sentences together. Oh, and I feel like I... So now that I've said that, I need to... I'm probably going to... Rep- representing or yeah. representation of? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and I don't even... It's, it's almost like I don't even realize I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. But it can carry such a magnitude of effect when I hand someone my keys to get the little card for the discount Here's at the grocery English store. <laughs> And then they see me behave in a certain kind of way. And it's like, whoa, that person's affiliated with that. And I don't think I want that. So the question is, why are you behave in a certain point? Exactly. You know, <laughs> so I better take that shit off my keyring. I'm going to while out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it, it just, it needs to be, it needs to start at the base level of like that, that, that meeting. And then it trickles out into like, the universe, you know, like, and that's what I'm saying, but it's going to take, it's, it's just not as fast as we want yeah. it to. Like, it's going to take time. It takes people like you to show up and do that on a regular basis. And, and that's, it will happen. It is happening right now. You, you had me at thinking a, at a pace where we don't, and that's the deal. We don't have the ability to see it. Yeah. You know, all I see is the memes on Facebook. Mm-hmm. All I see are these people going back and forth in the comments and these groups and on the memes. And I'm just like, that's why I deleted my Facebook. <laughs> is I'm not even getting that specific topic. So I wanted some insanity. And again, like you're really recovering when you make new mistakes. I went on a certain Facebook page to try to start some shit. Um, And it was behind steroids. And um, And surrounding MAT and Sarah? Like, like, yeah. But like it just, again, like just trying to stir up. I've never taken steroids. Like why do I like want to pretend I have... 
uh, any type of opinion about it, but I I saw myself using spiritual ammunition, like again, to try to tear somebody down. And it was in a way of like, I'm big and bad behind this keyboard. I'm big and bad behind my phone. You can't touch me. And it's, it's bringing out parts of me that are, that are not loving, that are not kind, that are not about the unity. And, um, I, I just needed a spiritual cleanse and I, I chose to delete my Facebook and, you know, it's, but I'm not trying to sit here and say Facebook's bad. What was bad is the reaction I was having and what I personally was using it for. Yeah. And so my response um, to you would be like, um, was deleting it the most appropriate what thing to do or is it to investigate? Like it. Or, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But is it to investigate what was influencing you to do that right right like oh yeah had to where was that coming from oh that was just like a a new need to Mm -hmm. spark some chaos and like i've already done a whole lot of shit that i know doesn't work and that's not fun so let's try something new i mean it's just it blows my mind just the moment i think oh yeah you worked on this like here comes something else around the back door like ho, but here's a new form of insanity why don't you try that um because i still have instagram and i can still get in fucking you know like do not get too comfortable here um yeah it just ah it's funny but it's such a divide and again like i am almost ashamed at the revelation i've had while we're sitting here that you're fighting for the same cause, but you're, you're, it's this versus this instead of, you know, us versus the problem. Yes. However, I do, what I'm hearing you say is I'm hearing you being very judgmental of yourself because the Lindsay who, yeah. the Lindsay who all these motherfuckers like was bragging that I must get on and talk to <laughs> the Lindsay that, um, an entire community looks up to. Right. Own that, right? No, no. That's, I you mean, know, that's how, so the the transition, right? The transition right. from um, the seeker of these connections, the mm-hmm. seeker of these authentic connections, looking for a sponsor and people who you can authentically trust right. with your darkest secrets, right? To be to in a probably not a short period, not not a, not a long period of time, becoming the person on the opposite end, the people who the community right. looks up to, right? the people who's a leader in this fellowship, the people who, you know, it is of service positions, I'm sure. And right. Like, yeah. What, like, where's that? Where's that Lindsay? Uh, who, who's that Lindsay? I'm just, I'm trying to remain humble, you yeah. know, because again, it's, um, and I appreciate that, but this is also, we're also here to like, talk about the good stuff. Yeah. And I do appreciate that. It's still hard for me to accept, you know, mm-hmm. all the things that you just listed out. Let's go there. And, um, you know, being that, um, God is a little girl, like constantly, you know, I'm telling my boys, like, be a leader, be a leader. If you print out one more of those memes, I'm shutting it down. I'm mom mode, it down. mom mode engaged. going to walk to Asheville. Hey, did you take pictures, bud? <sighs> no did, more. Did you get any pictures? Um, he, That means no, he's going to go right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> she knows him too well. I do, I do. Um, We're not almost done. But okay. I got, I'm in no rush. So... You know, it's really weird. I've always wanted to sell that version of I'm a leader and I'm this and I'm that. But it wasn't until I got behind some of my own painful experience 
that that stuff came without me trying to even do it. Mm -hmm. And that's the part of humility that I want to try to continue. It's like, I absolutely, it's not that I enjoy being a front runner or being loud and being boisterous. It's, it's the feeling that I get behind that. Just like you said, you don't have to get paid to do this. And it's, it's the internal feeling that I get to know that I am finally putting a stop to this quiet, um, pretending to be something I'm not like, this is really who I am. I can be passionate about something and use it in such a way that it is empowering other people. And I have confidence behind that. And I have confidence behind, I messed up and I did this and don't do it like me mama, because you don't want to go down that same road. Um, and I, I just still that humility is like, you know, I, I have allowed ego to run the show for so long that I like to still keep it in check. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to, I have to keep it in check. Um, I just, I get fired up. I get fired up behind having my own experience and being able to share that with others is just, it was that high that I was looking for all those many years, all those many years. Um, it, it, it just amazes me today. I get to on a professional level, share some of the darkest, horrific times of my life and give that to somebody in such a way that, it couples hope and encouragement and identification. And I never would have imagined that something so horrific could do that. Yeah. And it's, it, it blows my mind. He's taking a picture of something as well. Like, okay. Oh my God, we're candid. <laughs> smooth. Yeah. So smooth. Um, and, and I talk about like a lot of my missteps too, which I think is just, the passion that I hope some people, you know, think of when they think of me, you know, I'm certain that they do. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Um, professional work. You've kind of slightly talked about that a little bit. How far into that do you want to go? Um, we can go, we, we can go. Um, you know, I am She's smiling again. I know. Cause he's <laughs> got it and I'm going to try. Um, I'm so blessed to be a pioneer in the state of North Carolina behind two other women that have, for the first time in this state's history, coupled peer support with mandated services to help lead parents to find recovery. Mm -hmm. And I get to use my own experience with certain mandated services. Sounds like you practice this. Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It's like talking around the problem. Uh -huh. Have you ever done that? Uh, like you, you can share like uh, just a little bit, but we're just going to go in this big old circle. Hopefully at some point down the road, we'll be able to. <laughs> yeah, I think so. It's okay. just, it's, it's kind of cool. I come with, um, like a, a, a job career. What? Uh, that there's like lawyers and HR that prohibit me from just name dropping, which is totally cool. I think most of the people can, can get what I'm putting down, but, um, an organization that I had experience with in my active addiction that for me at that time, I equated with complete hell, <laughs> yeah. um, because they were 
like many mandated services that I had, a form of authority that told me, you're not capable to fucking do this. Um, that included, at the time, parenting, along with driving, along with a lot of other stuff, you know. Um, the list goes on It on. does, it does. And I'm so glad not to have those people on my back anymore. I actually work alongside with them today. It blows my mind. I work with judges that put me in fucking jail. Um, so, you know, again, going back to the amazing you know, out of this epidemic of substance use, um, the, the, the awareness of recovery and getting to be able to have peer support with that, um, in conjunction with people that once put me in a box and said, you need to stop drinking you need to stop using drugs and you need to be a good mom and you need to do this. And I get to couple those, my personal experience with those people and bridge a gap that we're both helping. So it's not, again, like we were talking about the professional and the, the, the recovery versus each other. It's us collaborating and fighting the problem, which is addiction and it's ever growing hell and the hell that it causes not only on the individual, but the hell that it causes on families. Um, you know, again, I have two boys that were product of, my unfortunate choices and my grip of addiction and I lost the ability to parent them. I gave it away. I didn't, I mean, I lost it, but I, I, I gave it away. And, um, it's been so amazing to find that now and give that experience of I've been where you've been, man. And like, we don't got to continue this shit. We don't have to keep doing this. I hear you. You know, that was one thing that I, I probably wanted to hear a lot. I don't know about you, but I hear you. You know, not stop doing that. Don't do that. But just, man, I hear you. What's that like for you? You know? And then also um, to be able to just, like, provide some compassionate accountability. Absolutely. And, and call bullshit when needed I, in a very delicate and approachable that's way. That's probably my favorite part, too. Because um, I have a very I have a close family member who is going through this situation now. And she's in the, you know, she's in a difficult place. And I don't know that she's like being, she doesn't have the level of support that your clients might have right, right. to get her to, to walk with her to the next step. Right. You know, right. It's hard being in that pre-contemplative, yeah. like I need this, but I don't know how to do this or I don't want to do this. And you know, it goes again back to that old tale of like, I want to treat people how I wasn't treated. So the the program that I'm, I'm fortunate to be a part of is I'm not a product of that. And so I can sh like treat people as I wished I could have been treated back then. It's like um, some super level insight to be able to know, like to have lived the experience and know how you wouldn't treat somebody right you, you know, know what like, i mean and it just so foreign, it works just, yeah. it, it it truly is like again if it doesn't fucking look good on them don't try it on i say that to people all the time um but it, it it's true and and it's a learning process you know and trying not to make someone else's experience mine um that's what opened me up to so many different paths of recovery and being able to support people however they land in my life, whether it be professionally or whether it be personally. 
Um, it was through the professional experience you gained that insight? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I, I truly internalized what it meant to be a vessel. Um, I, I, I realized that my experience is just mine. Um, you know, I've, I've seen families that are, you know, I was separated from my children for it from start to finish, like 18 months. I was physically separated from them for over almost a year. And, you know, I have to say that There's times that I look at families with that same equation and that same timetable and their children may suffer differently than mine do, or they may have had a return to use and I didn't, or, you know, other different things. Like it, just because the stuff lines up doesn't mean that the experience is going to be exactly the same. And there was things that I did that paid off well for me that that person might do and not pay off for them. Um, it's just separating myself, but also being, I've got a seat, but I'm not emotionally invested to think that I'm, I think what I'm trying to say is like, I don't play a part in someone's outcome as much as I might think I do. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's amazing today. I, I wish so much, like I'm trying not to, to talk too much specifically yeah, about it. I think that time will come. I hope that time will come. I do too. I do too. And it um is amazing that I just realized how much I've said um. Uh, you haven't. Yeah, no, I have. Not, not excessively. It's, I say I've said it just as many times as you have. I promise you. Okay. I promise you. Okay. It, it, that it, makes me feel better. I have. Um. So for real, I, I, you'll go back and listen. Count the um. I know. I, I know. So you um. I want to talk to you about language. Okay. I want to talk to you about language because you're one, I've done this 70 times before you, 71, and you're one of the very few who has like really like presented a kind of clear, it's another one of those conversations where it's like one, um, one side or the other, <laughs> extremes. We live in a world, a recovery world of extremes mm -hmm. and everybody like holds on to these fixed views on one end of the spectrum. Um, and like one of the first things you said, I think it's in your bio that we posted on our website mm -hmm. is that like, um, I am both. Yeah. Right. I am both yeah. an addict in mm -hmm. my 12 step fellowship mm -hmm. and a person in long-term yes. recovery. Right. Yes. And so that's like, that impressed me with that sense of like ownership and being able to like mesh the two worlds together. Um, because it's like a hot topic, like, mm -hmm. and I'm from the world where, um, I'm from the world where I don't really give a fuck. <laughs> you know, like, I think that people, we spent, like, we only have a certain amount of time on this planet. We only have a certain amount of energy in these 8, 10, 12 hours a day that we're doing stuff. Why are you going to sit there and argue with people about right. how to say or right. identify right. or whatever? Mm -hmm. Like, I, my time is so much more valuable and can be spent on things that are making more of an impact. Yeah. Now, granted, in Refuge Recovery, we don't identify at all. Okay. Just my name is Steve. Cool. End of statement. Right. Right. So, like, they don't because it's um, open to not strictly substance um, use, mm -hmm. behavioral addictions, eating, things like that. Like I've heard it's, that it's with molded other with all, other all, all forms of addiction. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so we don't necessarily identify, right? It's just, I'm Steve, but like, I totally get it. I've been through peer support, going through peer support and, um, I have many friends and, you know, people I've talked to extensively about the 12 step fellowships. And it's just like this, there's just so much of this going on and yeah. not everywhere. And like, I thought that it was, um, it was great to see that, like, I don't know, I just really valued the way that you d- delivered that. Yeah, I mean, and it's so funny because I was I was so fortunate enough, I'm going to give a plug here, to be on one of Richie Tanner Hill's last peer support um, classes. And I went into that class so close-minded because, again, I had no intention of coming into working into a field of recovery at all. I'm good, like... I already told you, I got a shit ton of student loans. I finally finished school. It took me 13 years, and I'm I'm not doing none of that right now. But I was so adamant about, because I had this, the way that I was carrying myself, like, I'm, 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 I've always been a good presenter. I've been a good performer. I can, I can be a chameleon as far as um, even now in recovery, but I loved to wear that I'm, I'm an addict. I'm a recovering addict, you know? And because but it was, was such a process too. Yeah. for me to be able to say that, there was a point in time when I couldn't even, I couldn't even say that, dude. Like, I really couldn't. Um, I knew my life was unmanageable, but I, I always had somebody else to blame. I didn't know that it was just a process for me to be able to, it was um, very healing to say, you know, I'm Lindsay and I'm, I'm an addict. But then I got challenged, you know, by with several years, several years in recovery, Richie coming to me and saying, you're going to be in a professional setting and the way you carry yourself is also going to be looked at. And so it's, again, putting on, I'm not going to say putting on that mask, but I I need to kind of like scope my my audience a little bit. You know what I mean? I knew coming in here with you, um, it was going to be very casual and I could, you know, things would fly like a lot more than they might at my job. Yeah, certainly. But I also have that sense of uniqueness about me to where I, I do, I am going to own that. So I'm, I do identify as a person in long-term recovery. I can do that at work because that's what's, that's what's appropriate there's a certain fellowship that I, if I were to attend, I would have, I would introduce myself as sober because that's, let me, let me write this down a little bit. Number one, that's what the people that adopted that fellowship fought real hard, blood, sweat, and tears, kind of the way we're trying to figure out what we're fighting for with this MAT and all this the, the, the person in long-term recovery addict, whatever. That's what they fought for. Number one, it would be disrespectful for me to go in and, and try to say something else. Or I'm just so full of shit and need a lot of self. It's like I'm that self-centered that I need to say something different. Like if I know walking into the door, I'm going into this fellowship and that's what they expect. Just fucking like go along with it. You know what I mean? There comes a point in time when even in recovery, like, yo, if a, if a meeting says not to wear a red hat, don't go and wear the biggest red hat that they have with feathers. So it's the same thing with like, if I were to go to refuge recovery now, knowing that my name is Lindsay, you know, it's a form of respect. It doesn't have to be about me. Like I promise you, I can like tone it down just a little bit to fall in line. There's a little bit of just in society. I need to fall in line. If the speed limit is posted at 55, I probably should run 
55, 58, not constantly set that shit on 74. Like, I don't know why I do that, but I do. Um, it's, it, it's kind of the same. I just, I feel like there's a form of respect that just, you know, I, I was talking to a girl that I sponsored not that long ago and she said, somebody had the audacity to, cause she had introduced herself in a, in a certain fellowship by the opposite, um, as an addict well, and, um, intentionally. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. somewhat. And um, she said, I can't believe this girl, she came to me. And I said, you're damn right she did, man. If you walked into the doors of a that meeting, knowing they say sober in there, why you got to do that? That's a whole nother hot topic. But I, I didn't know when I came into recovery, okay? I am a big believer that people can get to recovery without 12 steps. People can get to recovery without sober living, People can get, you know, like there's, there's different facets, I think, that are so common these days that we forget that that's not everybody's story, regardless of how common it is. This area alone, you told me their Wi-Fi was shitty. When I go back to Asheville, I know my Wi-Fi is not shitty, but that's not the reality of where we're at here in Cullowee. Mm-hmm. You understand? So I've got to be careful telling everybody that Wi-Fi is awesome. It's the same way. I got to be careful telling everybody that like inpatient treatment works for everybody. No, the fuck it doesn't. Like going into a meeting and putting even the title of the organization into a fellowship, like that's that's a total breach of like that's that's me telling somebody that like if I want what she has, I need to go to that certain facility or I need to do that certain thing that she's doing. It, it's very important that we keep things simple. I'll go back to what to what Pac said. Like that anonymity is so so crucial. I get it that people have stories just like mine that I went to a certain inpatient facility that saved my life. I'm not going to put a name behind that because somebody else may go there and not have that same experience. You don't have to go impatient even to get recovery. Um, It starts with just a desire, a willingness. I will say that like community support for me has been my net. It's been, it's been my net. That doesn't mean just AANA celebrate recovery, refuge recovery. People find it in church. Like, just finding connection is something that I'm a huge advocate for. Uh, I don't know. I, I I really want to get on a tangent just a tad, but I'm 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 gonna tone it down. You sure? Yeah. I think. Are, you, are you sure? I don't sure. know. Ask me another question, and maybe we'll see. <laughs> well, I would like to know. Uh, we were kind of talking before we started a little bit. I want to. I'd like to maybe talk a little bit about this daughter that's on the way. Yeah. And like. Gosh how this whole thing's going down and what, how you feel about it. And um, you got two boys over here yeah. and now you're about to be a mother of a, a, a young lady. Yes. It is uh, a gift of recovery. It is. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a planned gift of recovery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, fear was just number one. Initial response. Initial response, <laughs> fear. What the fuck? Uh-huh. Um, she did it again. I know. And um, it's very different. It's a different experience because 
you know, number one, it's been 11 years. My my youngest child is 11 years old. It's been 11 years since I've been that pregnant. That dude right there? Yeah. Ooh, the and, dancer. Um, yeah, the dancer. Come over and dance. Um, you know, but another thing is there's a lot of pride and a lot of accomplishment behind knowing that I have the ability not to expose her to the life that these guys got exposed to and not wearing that in a way of shame and guilt. That's their story. Just like this is my story. Um, but I'd be a liar if I sat here and said, I'm so confident and I'm so ready. I mean, I'm physically like uncomfortable and very much ready and anticipating. Let's just go ahead and get this over with. Um, but you know, parenting is one of those things that I have zero control over, so to speak. So we're just going to kind of do our best and see where it goes. Figure figure it out. out. That's all parenting is. I know you don't have kids, but, like, it really is just a matter of, like, wins and losses. And, you know, like, it's just sometimes you're undefeated and sometimes you're on the losing team. She's winning with this one. Um, I am. He is just, like I said, they are the best and worst parts of me. They really are, like. Yeah. Best and worst. I put best first, so that's He fine. questioned that. Um, She's been talking for two like hours. Like, sense of humor yeah. is so me. Like, uh-huh. I'm so funny. That's uh-huh. another thing I just love. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm anticipating this new chapter just uh-huh. with the least amount of expectations and the biggest amount of faith possible. We'll go there. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds yeah. good. We'll how, go about, how about like the future like career aspirations? Like you can- So I really like where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, that was something that again was presented to me. Uh, and that seems to really serve me well. Um just kind of going along with with where I'm supposed to be and not knowing where I'm supposed to be at the same time. Things get presented and um I never could have imagined professionally having the career that I do today. And I would love to just see it out till the, the very, very end. Why, um, why did you want to, why did you have no interest working in the field? Because I'm surrounded by people in recovery all day long in my personal life, yeah. including myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it was scary. It was scary. And I remember getting this offer of opportunity uh, put in my lap and I remember calling my sponsor and just dissecting it with her and doing all the what ifs and playing some of those, you know, scenarios out. And I, I don't, I just, I see people too. And I, I'm going to go here. I see people that they work in this recovery field and somehow along the way that becomes their recovery. And I had such a fear of that that I, I've got a baseline that I I try not to stray it's from. because it happens so and often. And it does. Yeah. And it is very scary. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's coming closer to home for me. And that's probably the scariest part as far as people in my personal life. And um, trying to bring awareness to that and also at the same time, there's so much beauty in, in, in what the original motive was, which was getting involved in recovery work to begin with. But where are you at? Where's your feet? Where are you at? Where, where, where are you spiritually making deposits at? Who's checking you? Right. Uh-huh. And, and, and even 
people that are very, very close to me, um, having a really hard time, like it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's very, very hard. Um, when, when they become meshed, I, I, I have a very hard job and there are times when I want very much to, to try to combine. I went to a meeting today and I did this with my peer and I did this with the client and this and that. That's not what, look, I got, I was on the clock doing that shit. You hear me? I could spiritually benefit from it, but I was getting paid. Listen, I was in a meeting last night. An old boy was talking about, bless him. He was talking about some, he was trying to make an analogy. It doesn't matter, but I can't, I can't be living off shit from yesterday, period. Like I've got to be, I'm sure Jeremy will talk about this. I have got to on the daily be putting and doing putting my recovery first, putting effort into my recovery in some way, shape, or form. Does that look like a meeting every day for me today? No, it doesn't. But what that looks like is me making a conscious effort outside of my job that I get paid for, outside of being professionally affiliated with somebody, me putting my recovery first. Because the byproduct of that is not using. And that's that's been amazing. That's been the biggest blessing that I've had. But that's when I lose sight of, you know, the paycheck is good. That new car I'm riding in is good. This, that, and the third is all good. But what what am I talking about on a base level of, like, when I was riding the bus for three and a half years and I didn't have my kids and I, you know, did not have a car for sure. And, like, I'm losing sight of some of the gifts that I've gotten behind because I work in recovery and I work in the field. Like, but I haven't been to a meeting in a year or I'm going to go just to show up and speak or let's <laughs> I, I totally get you. Yeah. I totally get it's it. It's scary is uh, what it is. It's really, really scary because it's, it, it's almost confusing my affiliation of who I am. And then now I'm getting paid to do it. And the two are so combined that I don't even know the difference anymore it's challenging to maintain that separateness Mm -hmm. however going into it you were very conscious of the risks yeah of those two blending absolutely and she checks me on that she she really does oh i just realized i was supposed to send a text to somebody it's already 9 30 yes on that note (laughs) Lindsay. I greatly appreciate you coming over. Yes, you, thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, we'll do it again. Um, cer- certainly do it again soon. Um, you're definitely like an asset to the community. All the things that all the guys told me was totally true. So, Dude, those are my riders. Yeah, for real. That's my tribe. And you've got more tribe coming because we're thick up here in Western North Carolina with some recovery. Yeah, you know, We are. And I, I've been in other parts of the state. It's another blessing that I've had in my recovery and it's just man like we are coming in loud and i'd love to even plug you some other people in different parts of the state that are doing some big things keep bringing it so awesome you lived up to to the hype okay all right you're a badass thank you so much we're gonna gonna close this thing out with a little dance real quick dance come on come on man thanks for checking us out y'all have a good night Thank you for listening to the podcast and a very special thank you to the comfort in of Silver, North Carolina. 
The Comfort Inn is located at 1235 East Main Street in Silva, and they are a part of the Choice Hotels chain. So you can check them out at choicehotels.com. They provide this wonderful recording space to us each and every week. Give them some love if you are thinking about traveling or visiting the Western North Carolina area. It's a beautiful time of year to visit the mountains. Uh, I'll tell you this every week that we live in like the most beautiful area in the entire country. Uh, rolling into summer, temperatures are like just gorgeous out. Everything's turning green and in bloom. Um, if you do, pop in the comfort in. If you don't stay at night, just thank them for being a recovery ally and supporting recovery as well as other community-based organizations. Um, go ahead and follow us on all of our social media stuff. You can find us at WNC Raw on Instagram and Twitter. And also subscribe to our YouTube and to our website at www.ncraw.life so that we can email you all of our exclusive content offers. Thanks for tuning in. Take care.